0: In today's world, people feel lost in a sea of ideas. Which ones should we accept?
1: Stay tuned because you're listening to Veracity Hill, striving for truth on faith, politics, and society. Here is your host, Kurt Jarris Well, a good day to you, and thanks for joining us here on another episode of Veracity Hill, where we are striving for truth on faith, politics, and and society. So nice to be with you here today. Uh, on today's topic, uh, the topic for today's program, we are discussing um, equipping your children uh, for the upcoming school year, uh, equipping them with various resources and knowledge uh, for their faith. Uh, on last week's episode, we were joined by Dr. Braxton Hunter, where we talked about uh, integrating the uh, the evangelistic call, the gospel message within our apologetics. And on today's show, we're talking about equipping the believer, uh, chiefly, say, your child or a child. If, say, you don't have children, but you're involved with a youth group, uh, we want to give you some tips uh, and some resources for how you can help young ones to be prepared uh, in this upcoming school year to be able to uh, learn more about their faith, to be able to share it with their friends uh, and their peers, and uh, to be able to answer perhaps even their own difficult questions. And so to discuss uh, these issues, I'm joined by my friend and founder of Epic Archaeology, Ted Wright. Ted, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, Kurt. Uh, Great to be with you today.
1: Say, so uh, we were um, just chatting about um, something we could do together. It's been a a few months now that you've been on the program, and so you had this great idea. August is just (laughs) around the corner here. School's going to be starting up. Uh, What a great opportunity it would be for us to do a show geared toward uh, explaining how we can give these resources and talk about the importance of equipping uh, young ones for the upcoming school year.
2: Absolutely, for sure. I mean, not only just high school, but college. It's hard to believe that summer is almost over. I mean, nobody likes to think about that, but it is a good time to start thinking about these things.
1: Yeah, I was just um, talking with um, a high school student. And I said that, uh, you know, I said, summer's about halfway over for you. And she said, no, actually, <laughs> it's more than halfway over. And she was very disappointed. <laughs> so I, I remember those days as a young one. I would play backyard baseball. And, yes, uh, oh, those are were, those were the fun times. Um, they
2: were. And I remember going to school, I think, I don't know, since, you know, when I was a kid, that's been many, many years ago. So <laughs> when I was in school... So you know, I remember actually going to school didn't start until like after Labor Day or something like yeah, that. That's or, right, a Labor Day. Yeah, yeah. And it was a was a Jerry Lewis telephone, So that shows you how old I am. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I won't mention numbers, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's right around the corner, and it's uh, you know, as, as a Boy Scout, as a former Boy Scout, uh, be prepared is a, is a good motto to have. Mm. So uh, I think it's good that that uh, folks hear some just some resources as we look at the new school year thinking about how we can be better prepared uh, as the church to equip our young people, not only with high school, junior high, but also college, and which really surfaces a bigger issue, and that is uh, knowing what we believe and why we believe it.
1: Yeah. Now, the church uh, hasn't really done all that well of a job uh, preparing young ones to go off uh, even to high school or to college um, with n- knowing what it is that they believe I know uh, for many churches, youth group is very, it can sometimes be like babysitting, uh, or it can be just, you know, play games and let's learn this, you know, pithy little phrase or idea. And it's just sort of this idea out in the ether. It's not really helpful and grounding for kids. Uh, Yes.
2: Yes, we were. Um, you and I were talking about um, one of the one of the satire blogs uh, websites that a lot of Christians like today. It's on Facebook. You see it everywhere. It's the Babylon Bee.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I know, You remember a couple of weeks ago they had this uh, one little story where they were talking about uh, they brought the kids up. They were getting ready to graduate and you know send them off to college and and, uh, and it's great. You know, and it's wonderful. It's a great idea that we should pray for our kids. And they brought them on stage mm-hmm. and they prayed for them. They laid hands on them. So they could prepare prepare them for college, the onslaught of college, and that's great. You know, that's wonderful. And I'm am a former pastor, so I, I get that. I understand the importance of prayer, but we got to do more than just pray. In mm-hmm. fact, um, you know, it's not just uh, you know, it's not just high school kids, but it's also it goes all the way down into elementary school and even into preschool. I think it's never too early to to prepare, because um, you know. A couple of days ago, uh, a professor at uh, Princeton University, Robert George, uh, mm. who is the uh, brilliant professor of – he's a, one of the top natural law scholars in the country, uh, very conservative Catholic. Anyway, he tweeted out an article. Now, the article was talking about uh, Republicans and Democrats, but it was basically saying that in the universities, uh, Democrats outnumber Republicans something like 10 to 1 or something like that. In some cases, even worse than that. So with again, this is not – With regard with to regard, professors. With regard to professors, Yeah. Yet. So – so um you know even though we're not talking about politics per se today uh, it's just going to show you that that universities are very left leaning when it comes to ideology mm. and certainly that is the case it's it's proved out uh, again and again in, with professors and uh, there's quotes from you know professors all across the United States and their you know one of their goals is to try to uh, indoctrinate you know secularize uh, yeah. a lot of uh, a large portion of Uh, Christians who kind of grew up in the church and they kind of look at it as a a challenge to try to unseat their beliefs. Mm. And uh, so anyway, so I think that churches, it's not like that they don't, they don't think it's important. They just don't, they're not aware of it. They're not aware of uh, of these, you know, when you send these kids to college. What's going to happen? So mm. it's uh, it's something that needs to be talked about for sure.
1: Yeah, and, and that Babylon B article, it was basically saying, you know, as you had mentioned, they brought the kids up and, and prayed for them, and that was yeah. it, right? That that, that yeah. they had just hoped that the prayer would do it, would prepare them. Yeah, exactly. For, for what's coming, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, instead of realizing, oh, gee, maybe we should have been training these kids for you know eighteen years.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's and it's you know in. And that brings up a great point, Kurt. And that is that a lot of times, you know, when when Christians start to see and in, in, in parents, moms and dads, and churches begin to see that this is a huge need, it's almost a day late and a dollar short. So we're we're trying to play catch up now, yeah. Uh, for for yeah. just bad thinking in yeah. the church that's been going on, or no thinking at all. Mm. And again, it's not that it's not that churches are bad necessarily or what they're doing. It's just that they don't know. They don't realize, and I think they don't realize that. That you know, sending our kids into this culture is like sending them into combat. Mm. And you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't send a soldier into combat uh, having not been prepared. Yeah. In the same way, we don't want to send our kids into this in this very secular world. Even if they don't go to college, mm. you know, you're going to have questions about you know, well, why do I believe this? Several years ago, um, now I used to work as you know, many people know me. I used to work for cross examined, and uh, having been involved with that several years. Um, I got to be good friends with uh, Brett Kunkel and Greg Kokel, Stan Drees, and uh, you know, along with Frank Turk and many others. And uh, one of the things uh, Brett and I were actually did a conference together somewhere. And during the Q and A, um, someone uh, asked Brett, you know, they said and this is a really great point, and it stuck with me. And um, they said, well, you know, what about kids who grew up in the church? You know, they they've heard good preaching, they've heard. Um, solid teaching from the from the from the pulpit—that's all great. That's that's great. And their parents are Christians, you know. Mm-hmm. They grew up in the church. Those are all wonderful things. But Brett said this, and he said, and but my kids still walk away from the faith. You know, they got their faith challenged. And here's what Brett said. Here's the answer to that. He said that um, they the kid the child never took ownership. It wasn't their faith. Ah, yeah. So the challenge the challenge oh. is is how do we how do we get them to own their faith? And that is you know that it, they begin to be intellectually engaged in it and so that's the challenge of trying to get them engaged in their own faith to, to actually own it so that it's actually their faith and not just their parents faith mm. uh, because they'll walk away if it's their parents faith then yeah they don't do it so one of the things that Brett has done is he started a uh, a organization called I think maven uh, which is I think stands for like someone who cares about the truth or something I forgot the actual title but mm. he'll he'll take kids to uh, university uh, like UC Berkeley actually and it's called an immersive experience and and then there's other great there's like, like uh, Impact 360 and there's some other great yeah, organizations that, that yeah. yeah and then of course there's Summit in Colorado so there's a lot of great places that, that parents can send kids but it doesn't you know those are great those are fantastic but it's got to start at the grassroots level as well
1: mm. um, and um, yeah let's, let's go really grassroots here so um, yes I know um, I've got I'm the father of uh, a couple young daughters and so talking to my <laughs> wife about how, you know, what should we do? Should we send our kids to public school? Private school's not something we can afford. Um, so we're strongly leaning towards homeschooling actually, uh, which, you know, even five years ago I hadn't considered. Um, but more and more people are um, – Looking at homeschooling kids, in fact, um, according – I've got here an article from Market Watch. According to March 2016 data uh, from mm-hmm. the National Home Education Research, Research Institute, um, there are about 2.3 million home-educated students in the U.S., and that is uh, up from approximately 2 million uh, that they had um, – tallied. I'm not sure exactly how they tallied it, wow. but from wow. 2010. So you've got 300,000 more kids being homeschooled, um, and it's grown. Um, that same research says year to year, it grows from two to eight percent a year. Um, and It's just fascinating because it seems like a trend, at least I've been perceiving, that more people are asking themselves, is it worth it? Is it the The public education system worth it for what they're going to be taught, um, you know. I can. I, I come from a public school background. Uh, my wife yes. was homeschooled, and I, I, you know, I know I, I like certain aspects to the public school setting. There's some things yes. that I didn't like. Um, I could think when I was in high school, there certainly was a, um, a h- hostility, or maybe more accurately, a belittling of people of faith. Um, w- mm-hmm. Whether you're Christian or not, there was sort of this "oh, we kn- you know we know better" type thing, um, mm-hmm. an aura, if you will. And yes. so, um, you know, so some parents are really asking themselves: Is you know, like you said, it's like you're sending your kid into combat, and are you preparing <laughs> them? Uh, and that's yeah. all the more so the case if you're sending your kid to public school. Uh, yes. So, I- I'm not here to argue homeschool versus public school. Yeah. But one of the things I think parents need to realize is that, especially if you send your kid to public school, you have to be very involved in the educational process uh, from parent, teacher, you know, association meetings, um, school board meetings, helping your kid do their homework, ask, you know, answering their questions for them about, you know, history and especially worldview issues, um, Those things get get brought up uh, even in the public schools Um, and for me, that was part Mm -hmm. of my story. When I was in high school, I began to ask the the deep questions of life and uh, here – one of the plus sides to going to a public school was that I met Muslims, atheists, Hindus, Buddhists. So I had an exposure to that when I was in high school and uh, at least as far as my journey is concerned, Mm -hmm. that was a good thing. Sometimes yes. for other people's journey, it's a bad thing.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's Sorry, true.
1: I, I'm going on and on here.
2: <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And like you, Kurt, I went to public school as well, uh, from from all the way from uh, first grade all the way through through high school and graduated in, in a, in a uh, you know public school setting. So, but you are exposed, so it does give you a, a broader horizon. Mm. So there's there's pros and cons to both. I right. mean, you know, there's uh, you know, even with the homeschool. Uh, you, you don't want to isolate kids to where they don't have any, any interaction. And one of the problems, and, and it's, and I don't think it's like a, you know, when you're looking at everybody's, you know, it's easy to sit here and throw stones at what we should and shouldn't be doing in the church. You know, mm-hmm. we're not doing this because, you know, I mean, we could be here all day. But uh, but it's not to, to tear down the church. It's to edify, to build up, and mm-hmm. to encourage. And um, so – so I don't think it's a one size fits all. It's it's a multiple leveled thing uh, mm. that has to do with uh, integrating. It's it's a there's a book. One of my favorite books on apologetics. It's um, it's sort of it's sort of an unconventional book. It's uh, well, I didn't say unconventional, but it's it's written by a guy named Thomas Dubay and it's called the Evidential Power of Beauty. And um, he's sort of uh, expounding on this one particular theologian who wrote a lot on beauty and how how beauty uh, how God uses beauty to. Reach people for the truth, and whether it's science, whether it's from science or art or music or whatever. But one of the things that, that Dubay says in the book is this: he, in the very beginning of the book, he talks about being people being jaded, mm. and he, he talked about parents and the importance of parenting, the importance of being actively involved in a parent as a parent, and it really touches on the heart of the issue what we're mm. talking about here, and that is preparing young people. But what he said is, he said that parents. Who are not engaged, and who 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 don't have an appreciation for beauty and those kinds of things, or mm. truth, they they can't give it to their kids. Mm. So you, he basically says, you can't give what you don't have. So uh, so as a parent, so that means that that then that puts the burden on us as the parents to then prepare ourselves. Yeah. Well, why do you, why do you believe what you believe? Why are you a Christian? You know, well, I'm a Christian because I was brought up as a Christian. Well, that may be the case for a lot of people, especially you know. Here in the South, you know, it's it's really, you know, you kind of grow up in the church. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people do anyway. Uh, but so that's that, – it makes it even harder. But, you know, it's got to be – why do I believe it, uh, that Christianity is true? Well, yes, because I grew up as a church. But at, at the end of the day, though, it's got to be because it corresponds to reality, because mm. it's actually true. Yeah, I don't want to be, become a Christian because it makes me feel good. You know, uh, C.S. Lewis said, "You know, if, if if I wanted to become a Christian, I wouldn't do it because it made me feel good." He said, "I could I could get a bottle of port and do that," <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he said, "I became I, I, I'm a Christian because it's actually true, right?" And so that's what we then we begin to engage and look at the reasons for our faith, and and then we look at First Peter three fifteen. Always be ready to give an answer for the reason the hope that's within you. Yes, but do this with gentleness and respect. So. Uh, so, the reason, there are reasons for faith. And, and, you know, we who are engaged in apologetics, we, we, we kind of go in these circles, so we really get that. But people who are not, you know, I'm, I'm surprised when I speak at churches, sometimes I'll speak at a church who hasn't really had a lot of exposure to apologetics. And when I bring some of these things up and I talk about how kids being, and they just overwhelm, like, wow, we've never, this is amazing. Why, why have we not heard about this? Mm. So, so there's positive, there's really good positive things that, that uh, we can do. And, uh, and uh, let me say one other thing, and I know you're, you might have something to add to this, but on a practical level, I know, because I've been around, I've been a pastor, you know, spoken on apologetics around the country and talked to a lot of Christians in churches. And there, there's usually in a church, and maybe somebody out here listening, maybe you yourself as a parent, you're into apologetics and you see the reasons for faith and you study these things, and, and you don't see a lot of that in your church, though, and you're, you want to get your pastor involved. So I want to encourage whoever you are, to not give up what you're doing, uh, maybe even you could teach a class even if it's not during church time, you could actually use one of the classrooms and and just uh, put an advertisement in the bulletin or something like that that hey you know i'm going to talk about reasons for faith or whatever and you'll be surprised mm. at the people and and how the ball will get rolling and the interest will begin to spread and you'll see that there there is a need for it because uh, people will if they are involved and they are engaged in the culture they are going to see the need for knowing what we believe and why we believe it.
1: Yep, yep. And and especially uh, all the more so, you know, you'd have parents that are, if they're interested in helping their kids understand their faith, and they don't understand their own faith, they're going to be exactly. shut up to that class. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's,
2: that's exactly right. Yep, that's, that's so very true.
1: All right, so we've got to take a break here, Ted. Uh, but when we return, we'll keep talking about um, ways that we can um, equip uh, children and parents in uh, how to understand what it is they believe and why they should believe it as well. So stick with us through this short break from our sponsors.
0: You're listening to Veracity Hill, striving for truth on faith,
1: politics, and society.
0: Evangelical Christians are talking about hell. What if we believe what we believe because we've always believed it? What if the gospel is really a matter of life and death? We want you to open your mind, open your Bible, and rethink hell. At rethinkinghell.com, evangelicals look at what the Bible says about hell, putting conventional and controversial views to the test.
1: Have you heard of the Google Ad Grant for nonprofits? 501c3 nonprofit organizations can receive $10,000 per month in online advertising credit from Google, empowering you to share your message with the world. At Defenders Media, we partnered with Nonprofit Megaphone, an agency focused solely on Google grant acquisition and management. They got us approved for the grant and now manage ad campaigns, bringing hundreds of new people to our websites each month. If you are eligible, Nonprofit Megaphone will acquire and manage the grant for you for a month For free to see if they can help you too. Visit nonprofitmegaphone.com to learn more. Thanks for sticking with us through that short break from our sponsors. If you'd like to learn how you can become a sponsor or a patron of our program, uh, patrons are folks that just chip in a few bucks each month, you can go to veracityhill.com and click on that patron tab. We would love to get your support. This is a listener-supported program, and so we are, uh, how did I call it last week? Um, we're, we're going and growing because of you. Uh, so we'd love to get your support. On today's program, we're talking about how to equip uh, children for the upcoming school year, uh, and uh, joined uh, on today's joining me on today's program is Ted Wright. He's the founder of Epic Archaeology and a friend of mine as well. Uh, so, Ted, um, in the first half of the program, um, just sort of where we left off, we were talking about parents and um, getting parents involved, and uh, one of the things I wanted to say is that uh, I've heard so many. Um, um, A number of different ways parents have tried to help their children understand, and one of those ways is, well, just read the Bible. Um, It doesn't seem that saying just read the Bible works anymore uh, in our culture today, does it?
2: no that's not yes because then when you read the bible then the questions arise you know <laughs> and, and <laughs> it's like well i don't know like where did uh, where did cain get his wife and those kinds of questions you right. know what how are you going to answer that yeah so uh so yeah bring the bible's great and it's foundational but um you got to have you have to do some more than just that and and again it's not that god's word is necessarily bad because it's not I mean, scripture is very clear that god's word will not come back void yeah uh but we have to integrate god's word and that's Mm. the thing is that we we live as you know kurt we live in one of the most politically charged times we ever have in the united states you know and so everything is up for debate everything is up for arguing things like that you know Mm. at the end of the day you know sometimes we'll get sidetracked by they're important things. Politics are important. Those those are important questions and political issues. But at the end of the day, the most important issue is Christianity and the gospel and in Christ and the and the resurrection. Those are non negotiable. Those things are things we should we should have down, mm. and we don't. And so um, and it's not that we want to argue about them. We want to know why we believe that's true. And uh, yeah, so so that means you have to do a little bit outside reading. Uh, besides just the scripture and knowing how to integrate that and how to communicate that in this culture that we live
1: in. What would you say um, for – let's say um, – well, there's there are two categories here. There's at least what I'm viewing as, as helping children. There, there are books for kids and then there's sort of books for adults or parents. Yes, yes. What would you say – I mean I've got a couple authors in mind, but who would you say are some authors or books specifically – uh, let's let's start with kids first. Books that are geared okay. toward that audience. Towards students. yes, um,
2: absolutely. The, I'm glad you asked because I actually just pulled that up on my on my phone here. And uh, and I don't know this may be someone that you were going to mention as well. Sorry about the glare of my glasses, but uh, oh, I'm no going to I'm going to read this. <laughs> um, but uh, on Amazon, you can get them. These are these are really cheap, but they're absolutely fantastic. And I know the author uh, Melissa Kane Travis. And uh, so some of these books are geared toward children. And they start at a very early age. How do we know that God created life? Mm. That's book number one. How do we know right from wrong? How do we know God is really there? How do we know Jesus is alive? These are important questions. Mm. These are these are not just like optional questions. If you're a Christian, <laughs> if you're if you're a Christian parent, you need to know the reason. And so these books actually might help you understand your faith as well.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, how do we know? How do we know God is really there? How do we know God created life? Mm. Um, those kinds of things. So – and they are they're also in Spanish as well. Uh, but those – that's what I would start with, um, and I know that um, – I think Jim Wallace also has a book for young people as well, yeah. I, and I don't – I can't think of the name, but I can look it up here in a 2nd but I'm, J, I'm pretty J, sure it's, J. Warner Wallace. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: one of the authors I had in mind. Um, he's got his Cold Case Christianity um, sort of series um, – that's his his angle, uh, you know he's a uh, detective, uh, and uh, yes, so he's sort of brought this uh, way of understanding to the table for us, and so there are the you know this, the books for the adults that he's written and he's, I think he's also written kids versions of the books as well. Yes, um, one of the things um, also for really young uh, kids, even before they become students, uh, formally speaking, uh, I know William Lane Craig has these children's books. Uh, with, yes. With Mother Goose and and Papa Bear, um, where he's explaining very heady issues, um, but you know, kids they they ask these sort of questions.
2: They um, do believe it or not. Yes, <laughs> they do. We can learn a lot from children. Yes.
1: And so uh, you know that those might be a, that's a series something like nine books I think maybe on what God is like. Um, so great way of starting kids very young. Um, and yes. then eventually, when they learn to read on their own, there are these the, the kids' books that they can check out. Um, I know that there's the um, Lee Strobel's series as well, the The Case for Christ. There, there are student edition. Um, so definitely some some good books there. Uh, but Ted, what about folks um, that are say um, new Christians? Let's say you're you're a parent and you've only been a Christian for one to two years. Uh, what would be some good resources for them to just get introduced into uh, apologetics and and learning more about their faith?
2: Yes, um, a couple of resources that I'd recommend. Um, One would be uh, the website Stand to Reason, Um, and uh, I know the guys there. Greg is a great, great guy and a friend. And uh, and then also the book uh, by my former uh, colleague and boss, Frank Turek uh, and Norm Geisler, um, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Mm. Um, now, although the book is written and it's geared toward, you know, it's the, it's the complete apologetic. It begins with truth, and it goes all the way up to the resurrection. So it's a twelve point a twelve point apologetic outline, and it pretty much covers all the bases. So um, it begins with truth. Is there such a thing as truth? How do I know the truth? Then it builds from there, and it goes all the way up through. You know, there's a God, theistic arguments, and then it gives into miracles, and it gets into those kinds of things, and it really lays a foundation. Mm. And, uh, and so I try to, uh, as a teacher, I, you know, I've taught apologetics for goodness, probably 14 years. And uh, before uh, Geisler and, and Turek wrote the book, um, of course, it's based on Doctor Geisler's notes and apologetics, uh, the, the the skeleton of the book. Mm. So uh, so anybody who studied under Norm Geisler has gotten this. It's a classical apologetic approach. Um, again, this is not. I don't want to debate like presuppositional versus classical, but yeah. the book happens to be written in a classical approach, um, and the benefit of that is that it's very well organized, and it helps you to see a whole system. It's 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 good to get the big picture, you know. It's because we talk about the resurrection, and we talk about you know miracles and things like that, but they're all connected together. And there's like step one, step two, step three, because you know if there's no truth, then not even atheism can be true. If there is no God, then Jesus can't be God. So you have to start with foundation one, mm. and, and you build up from there. And when I taught apologetics in undergraduate classes, um, I would use that twelve point apologetic outline, and I would say, you know, everybody in the everybody is somewhere on this continuum. They're either denying truth, or they're denying God's existence, or they're denying miracles, or they're you know they're somewhere on this line. So as a Christian. Uh, one of the things you need to figure out uh, with people is where they are on that line by asking questions and mm. you know uh, having a dialogue with them. But but so to answer your question, yes, uh, those will be two really good sources. And of course, our stuff on Defender Media, Defenders Media, we have a lot of uh, a lot of great websites. So Mike Lacona's stuff is great.
1: Yep, Apologetics um, Three Fifteen.
2: Yep. Apologetics Three Fifteen. Man, that's what an incredible resource we have. I mean, there's tons of podcasts on there. Yeah. Uh, specific topics that you can drill into. Uh, You know, like the problem of evil and, uh, you know, does God exist? Those kinds of things are all on Apologetics 315. And then myself, I take, uh, I look at uh, the Bible and the the biblical worldview. Uh, Part of my specialty in apologetics is archaeology. And I look at, you know, is there historical archaeological evidence for uh, the Bible? And uh, there overwhelmingly is. And we talk about. A lot of these amazing evidences, uh, uh, historical and archaeological, that the Bible is actually true. Mm. So, yeah. So, those are some good resources that people can check out.
1: Yep. And for those that might be concerned that archaeology sounds boring, well, you've got to find the videos <laughs> of Ted teaching online. Because. <laughs> Ted, you really make that stuff sound exciting.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. I try to. You know, it's a really dry subject, so I try to <laughs> – pardon the
1: pun. <laughs> yeah, right. Dry, dirty, yeah, messy. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
2: <laughs> you know, yeah, it is a challenge. I, I, I was uh, – I, I, it sort of is a, the whole thing, how, how my teaching evolved was is that when I was an undergraduate student in archaeology – um, I was personally engaged in it, but I've heard a lot of uh, archaeology, like major speakers, major scholars in archaeology, mm. Israeli scholars, American, European scholars. And it's great stuff, but they're pretty boring. And I'm thinking, man, you need to – I mean this is an exciting material here. Why don't you kind of liven it up a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: But uh, yeah. Nice. Thank you very much, though. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. So um – Uh, We're going to close up the program here shortly, ending a little early for today. Um, But one of the things I did want to say here is that um, you you noted how we have to have dialogues with people. And apologetics is a relational enterprise. You can't just say, here, read this book. Um, You have to be winsome in our apologetic. And so that means having these conversations. For some people, it's just sitting and listening because they might be dealing with you know, suffering in their life, and they don't have anyone to talk to. And yes, if you're just the person you that, are, so right that they can talk to, that's going to be very winsome and appealing to them. And then they're going to see you as a, a mentor or an advisor, and um, all of a sudden, Christianity seems like a very—it uh, seems like something that they want to do. So it's yes,
2: it's, Kurt. I think you hit the. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Kurt, because I think you hit the nail on the head. And I know this sounds because I, I have a lot of friends who are still teaching, and they're teaching in seminaries and universities like the Haldex. And, and uh, you know, we've been, you know, amongst ourselves, we kind of like chuckled, and, and some of my friends would roll their eyes at this, but it's absolutely true. Bill Craig, William Lane Craig, in his book Reasonable Faith. Okay, so this is uh, by far, if any any Christians out there, you know who will Bill Craig is William Lane Craig, and everybody knows his his scholarly credentials. Um, But he wrote this book called Reasonable Faith, and Reasonable Faith, he he sets out this entire apologetic for Christianity. But in the very last chapter, Bill Craig says the greatest apologetic is love, Mm. that people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care, Mm. and that is you hit the nail on the head. So it is not just the knowledge of why we believe and why Christianity is true, but it's also a communication of that knowledge with our actions. With actually how we live our lives and uh, whether or not we are there for people and we are winsome and loving and have a Christ-like life and of course nobody's perfect, including myself. I'll be the first one to raise my hand, but um, we are we are forgiven and oh, by the grace of God. So, but we want to show. It's like uh, somebody said, the gospel is simply one beggar tra- trying to tell another beggar where to find bread. And so, <laughs> I think it's I think it's good for us to be genuine. Not to be holier than thou, and yeah. a lot of times ap- apologists can come uh, come across a little bit judgmental mm-hmm. and like know-it-all, know it so we have to be humble and remain uh, gracious and kind. As, in fact, that's what, that's what Peter says in, in, the, in the passage of apologetics. You know, always be ready to give an answer for the reason, the hope that's within you, but do this with gentleness and respect or meekness and respect. So we have to maintain that meekness uh, when we give our answers.
1: Yeah, that's right. Great. Well, Ted, thank you so much yeah. for coming on the program today and for um, really just helping us think through these issues, giving us some resources on uh, ways that we can uh, learn more about the apologetics enterprise ourselves to uh, to be to learn more about what we believe and why we should believe it, and then to help kids as well. Um, I really appreciate your insight. Thank you, Kurt. Yep.
2: Thank you, Kurt. Glad to be with you.
1: You bet, you bet. All right, uh, well, that does it for our show today. I'm grateful for the continued support of our patrons and partnerships that we have with our sponsors, Defenders Media, Consult Kevin, The Sky Floor, Rethinking Hell, The Illinois Family Institute, Fox Restoration and Nonprofit Megaphone. I want to thank our technical producer today. Uh, Charles is actually on hand here. Charles Honeycutt, just filling in just for today. And uh, for our guest, Ted Wright, uh, he's at epicarchaeology.org if you want to learn more about him and his great ministry. And last but not least, I want to thank you for listening in and for striving for truth on faith, politics, and society. You've been listening to Veracity Hill, striving for truth on faith, politics, and society. This is a listener-supported program. For more resources, including past shows, visit veracityhill.com.